Hi, everybody. Um, I'll try to begin. And uh, the topic of this year is Yaakov's journey to Haran. Um, what's in a journey? Or what is a journey? Sometimes a journey can be just a technical act. Um, just getting you from point A to point B. And in those cases, uh, the journey itself may be insignificant. And it, w- the only thing that matters is getting to your destination and what happens at that destination. However, sometimes the journey is something different. Sometimes the journey itself is uh, significant. Um, if you're traveling on a plane, on a good airline, and if you have quality entertainment, you can watch a good movie. But uh, on other journeys, you can sometimes go through something during the journey, a process, an emotional process, a spiritual or a mental process. Sometimes the journey itself can be just as significant as reaching the destination. And we're going to take a look at Yaakov's journey to Haran. Now if we look at the beginning of Parashat Vayetzeh, at the opening verse of Parashat Vayetzeh, that will be in Bereshit, okay, chapter 28, Perakathet, Pasuk Yud. And the opening verse says, Vayetzeh Yaakov mi Be'er Vayelech Ha'ana. Okay, Yaakov left, exited Be'er and he went to Haran. And apparently, when we read this verse, the impression that we get is that the journey is of the former type. It just says he left his origin and he reached his destination, or he's going to his destination. And now we would expect to read what happened at that destination. But actually, that only comes later. If you'll skip together with me to Perkaftet, uh, chapter 29, um in Pasuk Yudgimo, verse 13, we'll see it says there that Yaakov actually reached, reached his destination, which was Lavan's house, okay, in Haran. So obviously, something is going to happen uh, during this journey, and it doesn't only matter that he reaches his destination. Now, this journey can be easily uh, divided into two parts, okay, and the two parts are very obvious here. Uh, They each have an opening verse. The first one is the one that we just read before in chapter 28, Okay? And the second is at the beginning of the next chapter, So this is a totally new opening, okay? We see... It's as if he's beginning a new journey. Okay, so it, this journey may actually be divided into two very separate parts. And the question is, what the significance of this journey is? Or why does the Torah tell us not only what happened at his destination, but also uh, the events that happened uh, during the journey? So the first part, or the first event of the journey it's pretty obvious, okay? The importance or the significance of this event is very obvious. Um, this is the dream with the ladder at Betel, and uh, it's a revelation from God, okay? It happens during his dream, but God actually speaks to him. And um, so the significance of this is very clear. The question is about the second part of the journey. Why does the Torah tell us of the events of the second part. What happens during the second part? Yaakov uh, arrives at this uh, water source, at this well, okay, and that's where he meets Rachel for the first time. Now you could say, of course this is significant. Uh, we know about this type of uh, scene, right? We have three of them in the Torah. There's a scene, that uh, uh, something that happens at a well, okay, and what we know is that when someone... When a man meets a woman at the well, usually this will lead to a, to a chasana, right? To a wedding. Okay? Uh, <laughs> uh, I'll put on Google Maps soon. Uh, on the, uh, we'll see where the nearest well is. Um, 
So, uh, this, uh, this happens to Rivka, right? Uh, she meets, she doesn't meet her husband there, but she meets, uh, uh, the, the, uh, uh, the, the, the messenger, the shaliach, the, 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 the servant of Avram and Yitzchak, right? And at that scene, at, at all these scenes, what actually happens is that there's one party that impresses the other party, right? And that leads to the wedding, right? Uh, in Rivka's case, she's the one who impresses the Eved, the servant, so much that he says, okay, this is the woman for, for Yitzchak. Uh, in the other scene, in Moshe Rabbeinu, okay, he's the one who impresses the daughters of Yitro, right? And that also leads to a wedding. So you may ask, uh, what's so uh, strange about this? But the thing is that this scene, this well scene, if I could call it that, is, is very different from the others. Because the others uh, lead right directly to, uh, to the wedding. But what happens here, if we take a look, it's true, Yaakov meets Rachel during the scene. But if we take a look further on, and uh, if you'll take a look with me at... Uh, Again, back to verse 13 in Perakaftet, okay, Pasuk Yud Gimel. Um, so this is the, uh, the Pasuk where it says that he brings, Lavan brings him to his house, okay, the second part of this Pasuk is, okay, Vayvieu el Beito, he brings him to his house, Vayisapel le Lavan et kol advarim ha'ele, Vayomer lo Lavan, ach atzmi uvsari ata, Vayeshiv imo chodesh yamim, okay, so he stays with him for a month. ויאמר לבן ליעקב, אחי אחי אתה, ואהבתה נחינם, הגידי לי מה מזכורתך. Okay, what uh, will your, your salary be? And then, we, uh, uh, then the Torah surprises us, because it says, the next verse, וללבן שתי בנות. לבן has two daughters. And the, the Torah is telling us this as if we never met one of them before. שמה גדולה לאה, ושמה קטנה רחל. Wait a minute, but we always already know Rachel. We know her pretty well from the scene at the well. But the Torah ignores this. Alright, it's introducing them as if for the first time. Okay, Leah we didn't know about, but Rachel we already know. And it's also describing them in the next Pasuk. Now wait a minute, this description of Rachel, her beauty, this actually belongs in the previous scene at the well. Because in Rivka's case, okay, when the uh, Torah describes the scene at the well, it also describes her beauty already, okay? Because this is part of of the encounter, okay, of the meeting that should lead to the wedding, okay? But here it appears much later. So we see the Torah is introducing Rachel here as one of two sisters, as if for the first time, as if we hadn't known her before. Okay, so, and, and after that, we hear in the next pasuk, Vayehav Yaakov et Rachel, only now it, it says that Yaakov falls in love with Rachel. Vayomer evotcha sheva shenim, Rachel bitcha ktena, and he offers to, to marry her. Okay, so, um, this is detached from the previous scene. Okay, so it's, and if the Torah had completely skipped the previous scene with the well, we wouldn't be missing anything. The Torah would introduce Lavan and his two daughters and describe them, describing Rachel as very beautiful. And then, obviously, uh, Yaakov falls in love with her. It says, Vayehav Yaakov. By the way, it uses the verb Vayehav. Okay, it doesn't use the absolute past tense Ahav like the Torah sometimes uses when it's trying to say some, uh, tell you something that happened in the past. It's using Vayehav, which is the tense that the, story, the Torah uses when it's saying something unfolding now. It's actually happening. Okay, so uh, this is when he falls in love with her, and then he marries her. So, or it's not so simple as we know, but uh, uh, at least this is the process. Okay, so so again we ask: So why is the, does the Torah have to describe the whole scene at the well? Okay, it seems like uh, we don't really need it, and. If we take a look at the beginning of this scene, so the question becomes even bigger. Uh, take a look with me at Perak Aftet, chapter 29, Pasuk Bet, okay? Yaakov Avinu continues on his journey after Beitel, after the dream. 
And it says, it describes, okay, that he arrives at the well. Vayar, Pasuk Bet, verse 2. Vayar v'inei ve'er basadeh, okay, he sees the well. V'inei sham shlosha edrei tzon rovtim aleha, okay. He sees these shepherds with the, with their cattle. Ki mina be'er hi yashku ha'adarim, v'aeven gdola al pi ha'be'er, v'nesfu shama chol ha'adarim v'galelu et ha'even me'al pi ha'be'er, v'yishku et ha'tzon, v'yishivu et ha'even al pi ha'be'er l'mkoma. Take a look at this long, lengthy description. Okay, this uh, uh, is, uh, and this is repetitive also. Take a look at Pasuk Zayin. ויאמר הן עוד היום גדול לא את הספר מקנה שקו אצונו חוררו ויאמרו לא נוחה לשפרזנטר הם we can't עד אשר יאספו כל האדרים וגללו את האבן מעל פיה באר וישכינו אצונ this is like repeating what we already heard before so we see that this whole description here of Yaakov's meeting with these shepherds okay is very lengthy it's repetitive it's cumbersome uh, Maybe even a bit clumsy, I would uh, say, uh, at first glance. Okay, so why do we need this whole description here? And why why do we need it all, this this meeting with these shepherds? Okay, he's going to meet Rachel there. The Torah could just tell us he arrived at the well, and then uh, Rachel arrived, he asked who she is, and then... Uh, uh, they kissed and everything. So why 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 do we need this whole uh, scene and this whole description? Um so uh, I'll go back to where I began again. We see that the journey is two parts. Okay, the first part is the dream at Betel. The second part is the scene at the well. Now, if we go a little bit back, we'll see and we'll discover that uh, the fact that the journey has two parts may not be incidental. Um, why does Yaakov make this journey in the first place? He is sent twice by uh, Rivka, and by Yitzchak, right? If you go back with me to the previous chapter, okay, to Perak of Zayin, and you look at Pasuk Membet, okay, 42, we'll see that Rivka sends him, Vayugad l'Rivka etivrei Esav Nagadol, okay, Rivka is told what Esav uh, said, he wants to kill Yaakov, Vatishlach, Vatikra liyaakov v'na katan, Vatomer elav, Hine Esav achicha mitnechem lecha leorgecha, Okay, so she tells him that Esav wants to kill him. Listen to me. Okay, so go to Lavan. Okay, so you should now flee to Lavan's house. He'll protect you until Esav forgets his anger and then I will send for you and you will come back home. Okay, so that's the first time that Yaakov is sent uh, to Haran. And the purpose, the goal of sending him there is for his protection, right? Um, now, what's the second time that he's sent? That happens a little bit later at the beginning of Perakafet, chapter 28, Vaikra Yitzchak el Yaakov Vayvarechoto ויצווהו ויאמר לו, לא תיקח אישה מבנות כנען. Okay, he doesn't want him to take a wife from כנען. קום לך פדנה ארם, ביתה ותואל אבי אמך, וקח לך משם אישה מבנות לבן אחי אמך. Okay, you should take a wife at Haran, at, uh, uh, you should take a wife from the, uh, from the family of Lavan. Okay, so the uh, so this uh, journey actually has two original goals. Okay, he is sent twice, uh, and these goals are very different. Okay, the first time is uh, the first goal is for his protection, and the second goal is to find a wife. Right, Yitzchak sends him to find a wife. Um, now, if we take a look again at the two parts of the journey, we will see that uh, each part is reminiscent of one of these. Goals are one of these, uh, uh, one, one of the things that his mother or his father tell him. Take a look at the first part, at the beginning of uh, Parashat Vayetze. First of all, we may notice the wording here, okay, the name of the destination. It says, Vayelech Charana, he goes to Charan. The word Charan was not used by Yitzchak when he sends him, 
Okay, it was used by Rivka. Take a look again. Okay, go to Haran, flee to Haran. Okay, so uh, that ties between them. And also, in terms of the content, why is Rivka sending him? She's sending him for his own protection, that Lavan should protect him. Okay, now we already know who Lavan is, and we know the irony of this, okay? That's the best protection of, in the world for him at Lavan's house. But uh, Yaakov doesn't know this yet. And uh, if we take a look at the scene at the beginning of his journey, okay, so uh, God reveals himself to him in a dream. And what is he telling him? Take a look at Perakavchet Pasuk Tetvav. God promises him something. Vinei Anuchi Imach. I will be with you, I will protect you, I will return you to this land, right? And, and I will not... Uh, uh, okay? Uh, I won't forsake you. Until this whole... This is uh, very similar to what Rivka told him, okay? So that you should be protected. And I, I, will send, uh, I will send for you to come back. Okay, I'll bring you back. This is exactly what God is telling him. So that's very interesting that at the first part of the journey, God intervenes, okay? Uh, Yaakov thinks that he's going to Lavan's house to receive this protection. God intervenes and says, you know what? Um, the best protection will be for me. Okay, and I will give you that protection, and I will uh, uh, also allow you to come back home eventually. Okay, so um, this first scene, this first part of the journey, fits very well with the uh, with the first. Sorry, this is with with uh, okay with. With Rivka's message, okay, with the with the with the goal that Rivka sets for him, okay, to be protected and to come back. Now, what about the second part? So uh, we saw that Yitzchak is sending him to find a wife to get married, okay. And at the scene at the well, he actually does meet his wife. But we also have a linguistic connection between the two because if you take a look again in Perakaf Zayin at what Yitzchak says to him. Okay, he says to him in Pasuk Bet, Kum lech padena aram, perakafchet, I'm sorry, uh, Pasuk Bet, Kum lech padena aram, beta vetuel avi imecha, vekach lecha misham isha, mibnot lavan achi imecha. Okay, take a look at this description, this very detailed description of the family. Beta vetuel avi imecha, vekach lecha misham isha, mibnot lavan achi imecha. And this, type of description repeats itself at the scene at the well. Um, if you take a look, you'll see um, here in Perek Kaftet, chapter 29, Pasuk Yud, Vayhi kasher ra'a Yaakov et Rachel, bat levan achi imo, ve'etzon levan achi imo, vayigash Yaakov ayagel et ha'evin me'al piya be'er, vayash ketzon levan achi imo. Okay, these words are repeated all the time, and this is a linguistic connection to Yitzchak's words, okay, when he sends him to uh, uh, his destination. Okay, and he sends him to find uh, a wife, and he actually does meet Rachel. We saw it's more complicated, it really happens later, but the initial uh, meeting between them is at the well. So, uh, we already see that uh, we already have a partial answer, okay? Why we need the second scene? The second scene fits the second goal of the uh, uh, original journey, okay? And the first scene uh, fits the first goal. But I think it's deeper than that, and we want to read the second scene a little bit more closely. Okay, take a look. We'll start by taking a, a close look at the what, what appears to be the... Uh, um, the most unimportant part of this uh, event on his journey, which is the discussion with the the conversation with with the shepherds. 
if you can call that a conversation. Okay, take a look at, um, okay, the, in Perakaftet 29, we'll start with verse 2, Pasuk Bet. Vayar v'inei ve'er v'sadeh, v'inei sham shlosha edrei tzon rovtim aleha. This is very interesting. What does he see? Does it say he sees shepherds? No. It says he sees the sheep, the cattle. It doesn't talk about the people. It talks about the cattle, right? The sheep. Uh, okay, they are lying there by the well. Again, again the cattle. Again, the cattle will all gather there. Who does this? Who takes the stone off the well? The sheep don't do it themselves, right? It's the shepherds who do it. Okay? So this is very interesting. The Torah is actually talking about the shepherds, but it doesn't even mention them. It, it mentions the sheep, right? It's talking about the cattle here. Uh, the shepherds are obviously such unimportant figures, okay? That, that it, the Torah it doesn't even bother to mention that they are shepherds. They, they are, uh, they are called sheep or cattle here, right? Okay? And we will see in a minute that this really fits their character. Why? Because they're lying idle there, uh, right near, they're very lazy, right? Right near the, the well there. And th- take a look at the conversation between them and Yaakov. Pasuk Dalet. Vayomer lehem Yaakov, achai me'aynatem. Where are you from, right? He, he, he says, achai. Uh, uh, and then they answer, vayomu mecha'an anachnu. Okay, I can, I have, I actually have a, a, a slide that shows this uh, conversation. Okay, so Yaakov said to them, my friends, where are you from? And they say, we are from Haran. A very short answer. He says to them, do you know Lavan, the son of Nahor? They said, we do. Okay, they're not being, okay, over polite here and over generous Okay, uh, in their answers. They're, they're not, they, they, these answers aren't generous at all. Okay, they're as short as possible. Okay, short, apodictic answers. It's as if it's very difficult for them, okay, to make the effort to actually answer, uh, uh, to give a longer answer. Okay, they're lying there, and you can just imagine uh, the sun is out, and the atmosphere there is like they're having a siesta there, right near the well. And, and this guy is coming and then bothering us here, okay? Uh, I, I, I heard once, uh, you know, when, when, someone once asked, what's, what's the definition of a nudnik? The definition is uh, one that you ask him, how are you? And he actually answers, okay? So, uh, so this guy, they're having their siesta here, and this guy is bothering them with all these questions, okay? And they don't have the, the, the koach to, to actually answer him, Okay? And, and then he asks them, uh, is he well? Right? So instead of saying, yeah, we know Lavan and telling him the whole story about Lavan, again, they don't have any cough. They're saying, yes, he is. Okay? Now, this answer is presumably a, a longer because it says, and behold, here is his daughter Rachel coming with the flock. Okay? That's, uh, usually this is read as part of this, his answer. But if you look at it again, you could a- you could actually read this part as uh, something that the narrators narrator says, not not uh, the shepherds. Okay, the shepherds I think could just say yes, he is, and that's it. And then the narrator is telling us that his daughter Rachel is on her way; she's coming uh, with the flock. So there, that makes their answer even shorter. So if we can, you know, sometimes you have to listen to the text and. Um, you, you have to get understand what the atmosphere is, okay? By listening, the text has a has a tempo, has a certain rate, and things here are moving very slowly, okay? Uh, the description from before, the lengthy description of what's happening there at the well, they are lying there, and until they have to wait until everybody comes, and when they come, they'll re- they'll move they'll remove the stone, and then they'll water their uh, sheep, okay? So everything is, is very, very slow, okay? Everything is moving very, very slowly, okay? So that's the description. And then it's, it's not a surprise if that's the 
character of these shepherds that even the Torah doesn't even bother to call them shepherds. Okay, and take a look at a, a, as a contrast to that when Rachel is described. Okay, take a look. Pasuk Tet, Odenu Imam. He is still speaking to them. Verachel ba imatzon asher leavia kiroahi because she is a shepherd, and this is emphasized. She is a shepherd. This is in contrast. Okay, they are just part of their sheep. Okay, they're so passive that uh, they're not shepherds. They're they're just uh, part of the scenery here. Okay, and she is a shepherd. Okay, so we see the contrast here. Um, so what what is the significance of this whole scene? Well, if we take another look at the scene with the shepherds. Take a look. Go back again to Pasuk Bet to, to verse two, and you will see um, the description here. Vayar v'inei ve'er basadeh. Okay, behold, v'inei there is a well. Okay, in the field. V'inei sham shloshay dreitzon rovtzim aleya. Okay, there are three flocks of sheep. Okay, and kimina be'er ahi yashkua darim. Okay, and I will skip a little and take a look at Pasuk Vav. Okay, uh, what we see here is three times the word Vehinei appears here. Okay, Vehinei, Vehinei, Vehinei. Now, um, this reminds us of something. Okay, this sounds familiar. Why? Because in the previous scene at Petel, we have the same phenomenon. Okay, take a look. Go back to Perak of Chet Pasuk Yudbeit. Okay, at Petel. Okay, Yaakov lies down and he falls asleep and he dreams. And it says in Pasuk Yudbeit, verse twelve, Vayachalom Vehinei Sulam Utzavalta. That's one. Okay, again we have uh, this repetition. Three times, triple repetition of the word Vehinei. Okay, so what does this mean? Um, first of all, it means that there must be a certain connection between the two scenes. Okay? They're not two separate, detached scenes that have nothing to do with each other. Okay? We thought at the, at Beitel, he has this amazing revelation. He speaks, he, he hears the voice of God. Okay? That's really something. Okay? At the well, alright, he meets, the, meets these lousy, lazy shepherds there that the Torah doesn't even bother to call shepherds. And okay, and then, there's a climax there. He meets Rachel, but we saw this is not exactly what leads to the wedding. It all happens much later and it's much more complicated. Okay, so when we compare the two scenes, so we would say they have nothing to do with each other. Okay, and the main, the major thing that happens to him on this journey is, of course, what happens at Betel. Okay, he dreams and he sees a ladder leading to heaven and he sees these angels going up and down and in, and, and in the end, he meets God. He's, he has God speak to him. This is the first time in his life. So this is very significant. But the uh, triple repetition of the word Vihinei in both of these stories, okay, uh, creates a connection between them. Alright, it's not, this is, uh, the, you can't, this is not, this doesn't appear just in any story. Okay, the same word three times in, in, in two consecutive stories. Okay, and uh, so w- what does this mean? So now we can take a, t- a closer look and see that there are more connections between the stories. And I'll show you this um, on this slide over here. Okay. Uh, maybe I'll read it first in English. Okay. If we compare... Wait, let me show you it again in Hebrew to show you. If you take a look in red, you can see Vehine, Vehine, Vehine. In both columns, right? Okay, you see that. So, uh, we'll move to the English, and you can compare them, and we see, uh, on one side it says, and he saw, right? That's at the well. He saw a well. He, and he saw. 
And the other side, it says, and he dreamt. Now, in both cases, it's seeing something, right? In one case, it's seeing while he's awake, and the other is seeing in a dream. Okay? Uh, I'll go back to the Hebrew. You see, the first word is vayachalom, and the second is vayar, and, and, okay, they're parallel to each other. Okay, so this, both scenes begin with a word, with a verb that uh, is telling us that he's seeing something. Okay? And then it says, I'll go back to the English, vehine, and behold, there was a well in the field, and in the other one it says, and behold, a ladder was set on the ground, and its top reached this, to the sky, right? So, uh, in both cases, the first thing that he sees is an object, right? And it's an object that uh, you may even say leads somewhere. The ladder obviously leads to heaven, okay? And and the well also leads down to where the source of the water is, okay? So um, that's the second part uh, of the scene. And the third part is, and behold, three flocks of sheep were lying there beside it, okay? That's in the in, near the well. And in the second, it says, and behold, angels of God were going up and down it. Okay, now, these are not just um, objects, these are living creatures, right? Uh, if you could say that about angels. Um, these are sheep, and these are angels, the havdil. Okay, but uh, he sees these a type of creature there, okay? And this is all leading to the third part, okay, where it says again, and here, it's Rachel, right? And behold, his daughter Rachel was coming with the flock. And in the second one, which is actually actually the first one, and behold, the Lord was standing upon him. Now let's go back to the Hebrew, okay, and see how uh, similar this is, okay, the two parallels. Okay, so on, on the left side, on the right side, you see Vayachalom, uh, opposite Vayal, okay? He dreamt, and then it says that he saw. Uh, Take a look again, vehine in red, three times, it opens the, the sentence, vehine, 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 on both sides. And then, uh, take a look at the first part, vehine sulam, okay, and the second is vehine be'er, in green, you have what he saw, okay, the, the object uh, that he saw, or the subject of, of what he's seeing, okay, vehine sulam, vehine be'er, um, the next part is Vinei Malachi Lokim and Vinei Sham Shloshad Reitzon, so they're in green. Now take a look at what they're doing. Malachi Lokim, it says Olim Veyordimbo, that's in blue, and the parallel is Rovtsimalea. Okay, now this, this is a contrast. Okay, in the case of the Malachim, of the angels, they're active, okay? They're dynamic. They're doing something. They're going up and down the ladder, okay? Whereas, if you look at the at the uh, sheep or the shepherds, and b'rovtim alav, is 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 even stronger than just saying they're sitting there. They're actually lying there, okay? They're very passive. That's that's maybe the most passive verb you can use for someone lying somewhere, okay? So you see, there's a contrast between them. Both, okay. We, we we saw before that the Torah sort of puts them together because the shepherds are so idle and so lazy. Okay, they're they're, they're just like sheep. Right. Okay. Okay. Uh, and thank you. And and when we move on to the next part, we again see a contrast, but it's it's the opposite. Okay, let's take a look. Take a look first at Rachel. Vinei Rachel bito ba'a. Okay, you know that the word ba'a, where the emphasis on is on the 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 uh, ba'a. Okay, on the aleph is is not something in the past. It's ba'a is in the past. Ba'a is something happening in the present tense. Okay, so she is actually moving. Right, she's coming. She's actually moving. Whereas God, vinei Hashem nitzav, the word nitzav means he's standing there and he's static, okay, he's stationary, okay. So, so um, uh, we again see the contrast. Before we compare uh, the two scenes to each other, let's first compare what happens inside every each scene, okay. So, in the scene in the left on the left side, he's seeing these sheep and of okay, they're. They're, they're, they're just uh, lying there, okay? 
and uh, we saw that the whole description uh, enhances their idleness very much, their laziness, okay? The, the slow motion of everything that's happening. And why is it like that? Because this creates a contrast to Rachel, both to Rachel and to Yaakov, uh, which shows that the, the shepherds or the sheep are, are like passive, they're so passive that this is like in the background, and it creates a much greater contrast, enhancing the activity of the other uh, um, the um, the other characters. Okay, Rachel and Yaakov. Okay, Rachel bito ba'ay matzon. And take a look at Yaakov. Take a look in your Tanakh again at Yaakov. Um, take a look at Perkaftet Pasuk Yud. Right after Rachel comes. Or Pasuk Tet says, Rachel uh, okay, Rachel comes with the sheep, with her sheep. And then it says, Pasuk Yud, Take a look at how many verbs there are there. Just two psukim, okay? Many, many verbs. So this is a, just a long sequence of verbs, okay? And they're very condensed, okay? And this emphasizes how active Yaakov here is. How does Yaakov know it's Rachel? Uh, they just told him. Ah, okay. Uh, <laughs> that's a good question. That's a good question. According, that that's a good question. If if you interpret, if you interpret that uh, that uh, uh, they didn't actually answer him, okay, it's only the narrator telling us. So you have to uh, you have to say that he had this intuition, okay, um, about her. He had her picture on his smartphone. <laughs> yeah. But but it's a good point. Yeah, I, I need to think about that. That's a good point. Um, what you see here in this sentence, okay, is Yaakov taking the initiative with many, many verbs, okay, many, many uh, um, condensed verbs. And this, when, again, if you try to listen to the text, to listen to the sounds, to listen to the tempo, the rate of the text... You see, all, all of a sudden it all speeds up. Okay, before it was slow motion, and now it speeds up. Yaakov is doing this and that and that and that. Right? He he goes there, and he ta- and and Vayigash Yaakov. He takes the the stone. He removes it from from the well, and and he he gives the the sheep water, and then he gives her a kiss. Vayishak Yaakov Rachel. By the way, notice that there is a, a similarity between the word Vayashk and the word Vayishak. This also contributes to the feeling of the uh, of, of 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 activity here. Okay, it connects to all these verbs, and 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 you have the speed here. Vayishak Yaakov leRachel, Vayisad Kolov Vayevk. Okay, so we have uh, a contrast between and 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 I think that the role of the characters of the shepherds and the sheep. The reason they're there, and the reason the Torah describes the conversation between them and Yaakov, which we, re- we don't really need for the plot, is that this creates this contrast in order to understand how different Yaakov is, okay? It enhances Yaakov's activity, and Rachel too, okay? But, but it, it shows us how active Yaakov was, how he took the initiative, okay? And we'll soon see why that's so significant. Now, it, on the other hand, if you take a look at the scene at Beitel, okay, so we see the angels going up and down, okay, they're very dynamic there, and, and, and God is static, okay, he's stationary. Why is that? Because what's the message of, of the revelation? Well, as we read before, the message is, or a, 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 a very big part of this message, is to give Yaakov confidence, right? He's giving him protection, and God is saying, without even saying it, before he even says something, Yaakov sees him, sta- I mean, maybe he doesn't actually see him, or but he, he uh, th- that's part of the revelation. Vinei Hashem Nitzavalev, he feels him, uh, just very static, very, very much there, okay? He will constantly be there for him, okay? This gives you the feeling that the, his protection is not something that's dynamic, 
It's something that was that will always be there, and He will always be there for him. That's the message. Okay, the the, the this is the. Uh, um, the, before he, it, it is even expressed in, in God's words, okay, this is a nonverbal message of, of God by just being there, okay, and being contrasted with the angels who are moving all the time, okay. Uh, and these are the two scenes, okay, the two, uh, by the way, there's another very interesting connection between these two scenes. There's another word that repeats itself very much in both of them, and that is the word Evan, stone. If you take a look at um, at the first uh, scene, okay, uh, I'll go back to the beginning of Parshat Vayetzev. Okay, he takes from the stones of the place. Um, and then later on, it says in Pasuk Yudchet, Okay, he takes the stone, that he, 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 he laid his head on before, okay, and and again, okay, three times we see the, the even, the stone. And what's very interesting is that if you take a look at the next part, take a look at Pasuk Bet, verse 2. He sees the well. Now this is a very interesting way to say this. It should have said, I would, I would have expected it to say, And there is a large stone, right, uh, at the mouth of the uh, well. Okay, but it says, The uh, stone. What is the stone? This may be hinting uh, to the stones that we saw before. So the Midrash does, does all kinds of things with this, but uh, even in the uh, simple sense, okay, the, the, the fact that the Pasuk uses the, the Veha Even, okay, the stone, alright, it's connecting us back to the previous scene. And also here, you have it repeating itself. Okay, take a look, you'll see it again. In Pasuk Yud, in Pasuk Chet already, okay, verse 8, and in Pasuk Yud again, so in both stories, the Evan is repeated three times. Now, this I think has two roles. First of all, again, it connects these stories, it makes the connection between them stronger. Uh, it also tells us something about what to expect in Yaakov's life. Okay, Yaakov, uh, uh, Yaakov's life is very difficult. It's going to be very, very difficult. And uh, the sto- these stones that he has to deal with at the beginning of his journey tell us something about the character of his life. Okay, he's always going to be sort of put up against stones. Okay, very hard things that he's going to have to deal with. And, and the nature of the stone okay, says something about uh, what his life is going to look like. So, uh, if we go back and try to look at these two scenes and all the similarities between them, and we ask, so what is the significance of all this? What is the Torah trying to tell us by telling us um, this story and telling us both stories and connecting between them? Okay, what does this mean? So, this is Yaakov's first journey, okay? The first time that he's on his own. Okay, he leaves home. He leaves his uh, safe haven at home. And he's he's uh, taking this journey. And a journey is, is something that's neither here nor there. It's basically in between. Okay, it's sort of detached from uh, one's normal surroundings, one's family. Okay, uh, and uh, that may be what's difficult about a journey sometimes, but it's also... What's fascinating about it, it's also the charm of a journey, being neither here nor there. And uh, during this journey, Yaakov uh, encounters two different uh, things or people. He encounters God and he encounters... Who does he encounter in, in, in the second journey? I'll tell you in a minute. It's You would say Rachel, but I'd say something else. In the first journey, he encounters God... And uh, what he receives there 
is a blessing and he receives uh, confidence that God will be with him and God will protect him. Okay, that's what Yaakov gains from the first part of the journey. What does he gain from the second part? Well, if you take a look at the objects in each of the journey, the first object is the ladder. And the ladder is leading up to the heaven, right? To, up, up to God. Okay, so that leads him to think about God and, and he remembers God all the time. And he will need that, okay? During his difficult life, he will need a lot of confidence, a lot of belief in God, okay? He'll need God beside him because he's going to go through very hard times. And uh, that's the first part. What's in the second part? The object is the well. Where does the well lead? I, I would say that physically you would see the well as leading deep down. And deep down, I think uh, I, should, I could interpret it as going deep down into himself. I think what Yaakov discovers in the second part of the journey is not, he also meets Rachel, but the most important thing is that he discovers himself. He discovers uh, his assets. He discovers his characteristics. He discovers, up till now, he was uh, behind his mother's apron. Okay, and that's when his mother was controlling everything. When he steals the blessing from Esav, Okay, he, it's not his own initiative. In fact, he's opposed to it, right? He tries to, 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 to say to his mother, to Rivka, I don't want to do it. Okay? But, and, and she forces him. So he's not taking the initiative. Okay? He's, he's being controlled by others. And this is very char- characteristic of Yaakov. This will be characteristic of him in many other scenes during his life. Yaakov doesn't usually create the rules. He usually plays by others' rules. He usually needs to find his way, okay, while others are in control. He's not the person in control usually. Uh, he, he sometimes is passive and he sometimes needs to react to the situation. He does not create the situation. He doesn't set the rules. He tries to live with them and he needs to deal with them. And sometimes uh, the way that he has to deal with situations, he can't just go straight through. He sometimes has to take a more winding path around. He has to use his wits a lot. He needs to survive. Much of his life is about survival. Okay? He's not, it's not like Avram Avinu, who many, in many cases, he's the one in control. He's the one creating the rules. Okay? Sometimes Yaakov even has to be a little bit dishonest in order to survive. It's not the, 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 uh, easy, clear, straight way. And the, Seen at the well, what the, the most significant thing that happens to him there, I think, is that he discovers inside himself, he discovers uh, new things, new strengths, new assets that he didn't know about. He discovers uh, what his powers are. He discovers that he actually has the tools to cope with all the different hardships and different troubles that he's going to meet during his life. Um... In a way, uh, Yaakov is the father that symbolizes exile, Galut. Okay, much of his life is spent in Galut. And uh, we know uh, the Ramban says, The Avot, the fathers, are actually paving the way for us in their actions. And the way that Yaakov paves is the way how uh, Am Yisrael can cope with, with exile, with Galut. Uh, in other countries, in distant places, where the rules are created by someone else. We're not in control. There's someone else, there's a king, there's an emperor, there's, there's uh, another government, there's someone, someone else is making the rules, and we have to survive. We have to see how we can deal with them. Okay, and Yaakov Avinu basically, uh, in most cases, is uh, passive. In most cases, again, he's trying to cope with the rules that the others make, okay, in Lavan's house as well. Once in a while, and especially when he's on a journey, when he's between here and there, not in a certain specific place, he's able to, uh, um, to find the strength to do something else, to actually create the rules. This is what happens here on his journey, when he's at, with the shepherds. And he doesn't listen to them because they say you have to wait for everybody to remove the stone and you don't have the strength to do it yourself. And he discovers the strength in him. I think it's more about, less about physical strength, 
and more about the fact that he's a stranger there and they have their rules there and he says, I don't care about the rules. I see Rachel here, I'm going to remove this stone whether you like it or not. And he does it. Now this is taking the initiative. Yaakov doesn't usually do that. Okay, He usually reacts to the situation. He doesn't create it. Another uh, instance where he's on a journey is on his way back from Haran. And there he meets the angel that he fights with and also there he discovers this inner strength in him that usually doesn't come out. And then he becomes Israel, right? That's that's another uh, part of his journey in his life where he uh, where he acts differently than his usual passive or uh, way of dealing with things. Okay, in, in these two during these two journeys, and I think it's easier for him when he's not in his usual place with his. Uh, familiar surroundings with his family around him. He's in a in a in a detached place that makes it easier for him to uh, for these uh, inner strengths to come out and and he uses them and he and and he sort of uh, suddenly becomes a totally different person both at the well here and uh, on the journey back from Haran when he, when he actually fights the angel which isn't character characteristic of him. So there are certain cases in history where Am Yisrael will be able to find the strength to, to act differently, to be active, to, to take the initiative. But much of Am Yisrael's history will be in exile, in places where they won't have control of things. And Yaakov paves the way for that too. How to cope with situations, how to deal with them, and how to find sometimes, in, uh, in certain cases, where uh, history gives a chance, and it's very important, to find the way to become someone else, to become, to take the initiative, to to uh, uh, become active, to create the rules, and 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 to change reality and to change history. Uh, so I think if we summarize, we see that this story of the journey is actually two different stories, and they're connected with each other, and each of them has its own purpose. One is connected to Rivka sending him to receive protection. And what happens in Betel is that God substitutes that for his own protection. And he gives him that and he gives him the promise and the blessing and the confidence that he's going to be there for him wherever he is. And in the second scene, okay, he discovers something else. He discovers himself, like the depth of the well, the depth of his personality. He discovers the strength, the inner strength that's in him and that he can use uh, in order to cope with the situations that he's going to encounter in his life and the strength to sometimes take the initiative and change history. Thank you.